What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Listen to my fate, yo. Destined to be great, yo. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's uh, hopefully a happy new year to everyone. We're recording this the week before, but we're we're excited. I'm Derek Williams, and I'm here today with my good friend, Justin Short. Hi, everyone. <laughs> so uh, everybody knows kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Before we get into it, I wanted to ask a couple questions to Justin that I think would be interesting to get your take on as, uh, you know, you're a very successful financial person. I, uh, I read an article. I always like to read some, you know, financial articles and like, you know, different people and how they choose to spend money and stuff. So I read one a few days ago and it was about a few, it was like three different people and it was things that they would never spend money on no matter how much money they had. So it made me think of that question and then another one. But so first, I want to ask you that question, Justin. What is one thing that you would never spend your money on no matter how much you had? Hookers. Next question. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Well, um, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. But uh, whatever. Anyways, that's a good question. Uh, Really tough, actually. I think for me at this point in my life, and again, I'm just speaking for me. One thing uh, is fancy cars. Even when I was practicing in my quote, nice car of choice was a Range Rover. I bought them used. Now I drive a Ford F-150 because it's what I want to drive. Also, clothes is one I spend less money on now. You know, I'm not shopping at Walmart, but I think it's just because the need to feel to impress anyone is gone. You know, I don't want to look like an idiot, but I'm not, I'm just like, why? So those are two that come to mind, but there's probably others, but I think it's relative as well. There's some things I spend my money on that people are probably like, no, you're an idiot. So, right. So the follow-up question to that is kind of the opposite. You know, what is one thing or what are a couple things that you, uh, that you're always, you know, happy to spend money on that you would never regret spending money on? Right. Hookers. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding guys. Um, um, no, I'm a big believer in you can have anything you want if you earn the money to pay for it. And what I mean by that is I've always believed and I still believe in buying assets opposed to liabilities, even when I can afford those liabilities. So, however, there may be many times in my life and I still follow it to a large extent because it's just been ingrained in me when there's something I want or I want it. And even though I can afford it, I make myself go out and purchase new assets that have to pay for that liability. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more. And some of you probably like, yeah, right. I doubt you do that, but I really do that. Even now there's stuff that I can afford that I want that I'm like, yeah, I could go spend the money, but I'm going to make that money somehow and then go buy it. So for example, let's say that I was a car guy and I wanted a Tesla and it costs 150,000. I have no idea how much a Tesla costs because I don't care, but let's say that I wanted one and the payments for that is let's say 15 
$100 a month. Before I would go buy it, even if I have the means to just go write a check for it, I'm going to make myself go buy investment properties that give me $1,500 a month in cash flow. So instead of writing a check for $150,000, I'll spend $20,000 on down payments on seven or eight houses that each give me $200 a month. And now I've made my Tesla payment. So to answer your question, um, real estate, I've never really regretted buying. Obviously, you know, if you have a bad deal, um, you could definitely end up regretting it. Next thing that I usually don't regret or haven't regretted to date is experiences over things. For instance, we take some fairly expensive trips as a family and creating those memories and exploring new areas, stuff like that. I've never regretted. So those are kind of my two that I can think of. Yeah. I like that. I remember you telling me that at some point. I don't remember when it was, but uh, I think I, we talked about getting a new family car or something. And uh, you talked about the idea of, you know, basically what you're what you're saying. Invest your money in real estate. And if there's something that you really want, put get your money in in that investment and have that pay for the toys or whatever else you want. I thought that was a really cool idea. And I am in the same boat with experiences with family stuff. So I I like that a lot. So thanks for uh thanks for thanks for getting real with us and sharing some of those things today. Sure. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Uh, no, today we are going to talk about, uh, a really important concept and it's one that I don't think is really discussed a whole lot. And that is hiring. Um, before we get into the details of the hiring process and give some of our tips and tricks, uh, we want to talk a little bit about why this is so important. We often talk about with our clients and just in general that, uh, this idea of building a team of tens. What this means is that ideally, we'd like to be able to rate each team member on our teams uh, a 10 out of 10 as far as their ability to complete things that they're responsible for uh, and to do it in a way that shows that they're a team player and that they're looking for ways to help create exceptional uh, experiences for our patients. But you know, your team can only be as strong as the weakest link. So if you have a team of mostly tens, but you have a six in there, the team is going to be held back. And I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that, you know, they, they suck the energy out of the office. They are the first to complain. Uh, they're the last ones to pitch in when extra help is needed. And, uh, you know, they can really, uh, they can drag the team down. Yeah. And for those of you listening, those sixes are the team members who you're thinking about right now that you try to convince yourself they're not too bad or they'll eventually get better because you don't want to deal with the work that it takes to getting someone better in there. Right. So in our goal of creating a highly profitable practice, the, our teams are so important. They can easily make a difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars extra going into your pocket that other otherwise you wouldn't be able to reach. So let's just take a minute and, and just think about it. 
in a well-run practice, your staff are going to do the following things. They are going to help patients feel appreciated and special. They're going to discuss treatment options with patients, ask patients for reviews or referrals, uh, order supplies. They're going to create the schedule, help you manage the schedule each day. Um, They're going to help with uh, some of the clinical work that needs to be done. They're going to be collecting the payments, you know, and I could continue to go on and on. But each one of these things are critical in and of themselves. But when you add all of those up, that's a lot. I mean, you know, that's that's so much of the big picture. When you really stop and take a minute to think about it, we as the dentist in our practice, you know, we can be seen as a relatively minor piece of the puzzle in its most broken down steps we need to diagnose, treatment plan, and perform dentistry. All well building rapport, but you know that's about it. But we become the most valuable to our team and our practice when we can truly lead our teams to higher levels of performance. So all of these things that I just listed out that our team does, they usually don't start off that way doing all those things. We have to train them, follow up, continually provide feedback, in order to get things where they need to be uh, and then keep them running smoothly. During this process of training and helping your employees to improve, you'll find that certain employees are easier than others. Some are hungry for feedback and, and direction. Others can be more stubborn and slow to implement what you ask. And there will be times where you have to let go of team members because they aren't up to the task. So, What we are talking about today will hopefully help you to avoid having to let go of employees um, because we're going to help you to get the right employees in place uh, from from the get-go. So we'll talk about uh, the ways that we can get the right employees in your office and the characteristics that that you need and you want. But you need to know this going into it that you may have to first let someone go and then replace them with someone that is right. Yeah, you just touched on an important point that I want to make sure people caught. Whether it's in our own practices or working with other practices, we never go in with the thought of, oh, we're going to come in clean house just to show who's boss. You know, it's a very fine line, but we're always hoping that team members can rise to the occasion. We don't take letting team members go lightly. We know they're people, they have families, they need money, etc., But ultimately, it's not fair to the right people to keep the wrong people around. And never, not even once, have I experienced it when a doctor ended up letting someone go um, that they deep down knew they really needed to go and they regretted it. Not once. It always works out for the better when that happens. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I always, in my mind, I like to think that I never fire employees. I mean, there's definitely times where someone has to be fired, but ultimately I am going to train and do everything that I can on my part to help them to rise the occasion. And if they don't, that's their decision and and they're the ones putting themselves out of a job. Okay. So we're going to go through some of the steps in the hiring process, how to get great employees. But As we do this, you're going to see that we really like to get the team involved in the process. And there are a few few reasons why we really like the team to be involved in in specifically in the hiring process. One is just the simple, you know, the obvious 
uh, point that it's going to require less of our time. You know, anytime I can delegate some of the managerial load to staff, I always appreciate that. Another reason is because they are going to have to work with whoever we hire. They're going to have to depend on the new team member. So it pays for them to be involved. Ultimately, if they are part of the process, they are going to take ownership in the hire as well. Where if, you know, if I just hired someone on my own, I may be more likely to hear negative feedback from other team members during the training phase. But if the team was part of the hiring process, they are partly responsible for the decision of who we hired. And so they're more likely to put in some effort to help get the the new employees on board. So let's go through the steps. Step one is to get as many applicants as possible. Um, I was thinking about this. My wife and I were on our uh, 10-year anniversary in Hawaii a couple months ago. I was watching some of the locals fishing there and they were doing it by hand with nets. Um, it was my first time I'd ever seen it. It was, it was pretty cool. But the guy with, there was, there was a couple different guys, but the guy with the biggest net, you know, he was, he was throwing it farther and had a good spread on it. And, uh, he was pulling in more fish than the other guys. Then he'd, he'd pull it all in and he'd go through and pick out the fish that he wanted. And he'd throw back some of the smaller ones or, you know, however he decided. But, uh, this is what I kind of picture mentally when I'm thinking about this first step is that we, uh, the wider we can cast our net when we're looking for employees, the better pick we're going to get. If I have a hundred applicants that I can pick from, I'm much more likely to find someone of, you know, high caliber versus if I only have five to choose from. Uh, and so I think, you know, I, I think that's, that's pretty, pretty obvious at this point. But how do we do that? I think it's real quick. I think it's good to note that we understand that this net is relative. For some of you, you hear Derek say 100 applicants, like there's not even 100 people in my town. Um, We get that. For some of you, getting five applicants would be huge. For some, 100 is no problem. The point is we want to cast a big net to catch the five fish in the pond. Um, if that's all there is. So don't try to get one or settle for the first one. If there's actually five, let's make sure we've turned over every stone and have gotten the biggest pool we can pull from in your location. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I mean, it's hard, you know, in a podcast, but you know, we work with, uh, dentists all over the country and there's some areas where, you know, it seems like dentists can basically take their pick And, you know, then there's other situations where it seems the other way around that, you know, an assistant looking for a job kind of has their pick of which office they'd like to go work at. So, yeah, good point. So basically, we need to get the word out to as many people as possible. And I really don't think this is an area that you can overspend. Uh, You know, usually a couple hundred bucks is going to get you a a pretty good exposure. And, uh, you know, you're probably going to hit the cap on you know, what you could be spending, you know, unless you're going to put up a bunch of billboards and stuff, but that's definitely going to be overkill. Anyway, so let's go through some of the main ones. One is dentalpost.com. Indeed is a good one. I like Facebook. Uh, You can create an ad directly on 
your Facebook page and uh, people can apply through that link. So I think that's a good one. Uh, Almost most areas will have Facebook classified groups where, um, you know, you can post job listings. So I think that's another good area. I always encourage Dennis to ask, ask your staff, you know, especially any, any newer staff members, you know, how did you, where were you looking for jobs when you were looking to apply? Uh, and then you can kind of go to some of those avenues and advertise there. Um, you know, obviously ask your staff to, to share the word, you know, they're in the dental community. So a lot of times they'll, they might know of, uh, others that are looking for work or that would be a good fit for your office. You could, uh, you know, you can always put out a sign in front of your building that says that you're hiring. And, uh, I've also seen some success with, uh, even just putting a small sign in your waiting room. Uh, you'd be surprised how many of your patients may know other people that work in a dental office or, you know, have family members, uh, that are in that space. The last one I've heard of people doing, I have, I have done it as far as offering jobs to people that you see working in retail or, you know, in restaurants, you know, if you find somebody that you feel like is really good at customer service, if you're, uh, if you're willing to train them, uh, that's, that's not a, it's not a bad way to get some really great people in your, in your office as well. Yeah. Poach them. Um, I think that last one is a great one. You got to keep your eyes open, but there's been many times we've went out to dinner or something and the server was just over the top or we got great service somewhere. And I've said to my wife, like, I wish I had a position to plug that person in because they're exceptional. A few others, I would note a couple other places or things. I would add Craigslist. I know some uh, love over time has been lost there, but I know people still look there. I use Craigslist exclusively in my practice. I would also consider asking your supply reps about people that they may know. Often they know people who are looking. And one, just kind of build off the Facebook that Derek mentioned is local dental Facebook groups like St. Louis. We have St. Louis dental peeps. Um, So I think those are good places. Bottom line is cast that net wide, you know, turn over every stone. Don't just pick one place. And oftentimes some of these are site specific, you know, one part of the country, dental post and Dean may be huge. Another part, maybe Craigslist and Facebook, but why not try them all? What do you have to lose? So, yeah. Yeah. So, now that we've kind of identified some places, let's talk about what we want the ad to specifically look for. I think it's important to share a few things in these ads. I think you want to put a range uh, of what you're willing to pay someone, uh, put any any benefits that you offer. Um, I think it's important uh, to, when I'm hiring someone, I want, I almost want people to kind of weed themselves out a little bit. So I'm going to share in my ad that, we are a very hardworking office, um, and we ask only those to apply that are willing to give 100% and be part of a team uh, atmosphere. And then the last thing, you know, I'll just ask, uh, please send your resumes to our office email, or you can mail them to us or bring them into the office. Yep. I think of the ones you just mentioned, I think one of the best things, or lines even, um, even take it verbatim is sharing that you're a very hardworking office and you ask for people to only apply if they are willing to give 100% and be part of a team. I think that's very important. And there is no secret silver bullet phrase here to use. 
But a mistake I see a lot of docs make is holding back. And now is not the time to hold back. They don't want the new person to know they expect them to work hard. They don't want them to know they may not get out for lunch at exactly 12 o'clock every day, or they may not be walking to their car at exactly 5 o'clock each night. We try for that, but I always let applicants know up front, hey, our patients come first. If it bothers you that if an emergency patient would come in at 4.15 with a broken tooth and they need one crown, I'm going to do it right then and there, and we're not going to get out at 5 o'clock. So if those kind of random things would bother you, then this probably isn't a good fit. This isn't the place you want to work because it's not always going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Great point. So that's step one. Cast the net wide and uh, put some good stuff in the ad and try and get resumes. Step two would be to sort through all of the applications. So now that you've hopefully re- received a bunch of applications, have your team sort through them. Basically, you can throw out stuff with typos or you know anything that's sloppy, uh, stuff that looks thrown together. You want to work with people that really want the job and, and show the effort. At this point, you'll have to decide if you're willing to entertain the idea of hiring someone with little or no experience. And this will just depend on your preference. Um, maybe also what the supply and demand of your areas, area is. There's not, uh, there's not a right or wrong, uh, just pros and cons. I found that, um, you know, early on in practice ownership, I was, I was willing to bring on someone new and spend a little bit more time training. And, uh, as we've kind of picked up the pace and the, and the practice is a little bit more successful, I, uh, it's worth it for me to pay a little bit more for someone that has experience that we can just kind of pick up the speed, um, a lot more quickly. Yeah. And it's definitely, again, I know I don't want people to give themselves excuse like, oh, you don't know my area. It's so hard. You can't find any good people. No, you can. You just may have to look harder. And again, there's pros and cons to every location. Um, St. Louis was a place where if I put an ad out for a hygienist or anybody in the office, that I would probably get a fair amount of resumes. And going back to weeding through, I bet I would weed out five to ten for every one that I looked at and, you know, I would go through there, make sure they had the qualifications that I was looking for, for that position. If they sounded like an idiot and they had typos and they were sloppy, um, I would just toss them out. Wouldn't even think twice about it. And a lot of times a little bit off topic here, but one thing that I would do, which I think probably most people do at this point would be to stalk them online before I sent the resumes over to my front desk office manager to look over, you know, if they're, you know, it may sound harsh, but if they don't look like the kind of person that, and I'm not talking just looks in general, um, you know, but if they don't look like a good fit to me for one reason or another, I'm not calling them. Um, you know, if they're dropping F-bombs and um, going on political rants or um, they belong to dental nachos, stuff like that. I'm not even going to give them a second look in my practice. So, you know, just one more way to hopefully get you closer, narrowed in on the person that you like. Yeah. So it sounds like you did it a little bit differently that, um, I basically have my front desk or, you know, staff kind of sort through, but it sounds like you kind of initially would sort through and then pass, pass those on who kind of 
fit through your filtering funnel to your front. Yeah, exactly. I had everything. I think we'll touch on this in um, just a few minutes here, but I had it come straight to me. I wanted to be the initial gatekeeper. That's about all I really wanted to do in the process, but they had to get through me first because I knew I was a harsh gatekeeper as when it came to hiring somebody or letting them be a part of the practice. Yeah, good. So, okay. So we've sorted through the applications. Um, for, uh, for, for me, what I've found is successful is step three is that after we've filtered through all of those, I'm going to basically invite those that have made the cut to come in and just meet the team and kind of tour the office. Um, and this is a, this is pretty casual meet and greet. Um, I'm not too picky on when they come in, but they should schedule an actual time with the front, uh, you know, that's part of the evaluation. We want to see if they can schedule something and, and, and be on time. Um, but basically when they're going to come in, uh, they'll meet the front front office person. Um, somebody will kind of walk them around the office and just show them things, kind of explain how we operate in our practice. Um, and I just encourage my other employees, if they get a chance, uh, to, to spend a minute or so talking with them and try and get a feel for them. Um, and then I'll also try and say hi and just chat for a bit. This is all just to kind of get a feel for the person. Uh, are they friendly, confident? Can they carry a conversation? Um, <clears throat> then at the end of the day, we'll discuss those that came in and see who we think might be a better fit than others. And uh, you'd be surprised how many times my team has a strong feeling about whether or not it's uh, going to work out with a particular person just from things that they pick up on in uh, conversation. So when you were talking about, you talked about in the ad, let people know that we're a hardworking office. I'm going to kind of have my staff reiterate this to the person when they come in. So, uh, you know, for example, I'll have them talk about how they feel like they're, we have a reward, we have a bonus system that, but that they're also asked to work hard. Like you talked about, um, if, you know, we very frequently work through lunch if we need to, or we will stay late. Um, or, you know, we're going to bend over backwards to make patients comfortable. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've done some of these where, uh, the, my staff will talk to them, let them know, and they are they show that they're uncomfortable with that. And we immediately know that they're not a good fit for our office. And then I'll also ask my staff to pay attention to, you know, their mindset about things that they say. Are they relatively positive and upbeat? Um, you know, when they talk about their, their current or their past job, is it full of negative things and what they didn't like about their job? Um, when they talk about their life, does it sound like it's full of drama and busy? Um, all of these are, are cues that can help you and your team decide whether or not they would be the, the right addition to your office. Yeah. And I think it's good to notice, like you and I, we didn't do everything exactly the same. You know, it wasn't step by step, the same protocol. And I think a lot of docs look for that, you know, when they contact us and they're like, Hey, tell me exactly how I do this or they almost get, here's an example. So we recently purchased a house. Um, we were going to build a house and we got through that and we found a house in our neighborhood and we decided to sell our lot and buy this house. So we have a designer who we work with, who my wife works with. And you get to this point, like, you know, she's having her help pick out paint colors and cabinets and new countertops and light fixtures. And when you rely on that, just like we do our best to prevent 
with clients, you almost get to the point where you're like, well, I can't pick out anything without calling Debbie, the designer. Um, you know, it's like what, you know, even stupid little stuff. What do you want your door handles look like? I can't pick it out. I got to get Debbie back over here. And we got to look over them. Same thing we, I see with clients, you know, where, where they call in and they want to have the exact word for word formula. And I think you and I, it's good to point out that we follow principles, you know, even though it may not look exactly the same, how you do it versus how I did it, the principles were the same. You know, we're looking for somebody good. We're honest with them, letting them know we work hard. We get the team involved, you know, exactly, you know, the ins and outs of how you do all that. It's not necessarily as important, you know, Derek's way isn't better than mine and mine wasn't better than Derek's, but we get to a good end result by following these principles. So hopefully I didn't go off too far there, but kind of going back to the logistics of how I did, just so you can see it's a little bit different. I would have all the resumes sent to my email, as we mentioned before, and I would go through and I would weed, weed them out. I'd then send them along the ones that were decent to my front desk who would then check references and schedule them to come in. You know, when they came in, she'd have a conversation with them, you know, essentially an interview, show them around, introduce them to the team, or sometimes the part of the team or the entire team would join in for the interview conversation if it was at the end of the day. Um, only once that applicant has passed all those tests would she then introduce them to me. I didn't want to meet anyone they knew wouldn't be a good fit. I don't have time for it. I don't want to have time for it. I don't want to meet people who weren't a good fit um, for my office in that setting. I mean, that was our goal. I don't want to sound like an ignorant jerk, but in that setting where we're looking for someone who's a good fit in my office, I only want to mess with people who are a good fit for my office. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that perfectly goes along with what you're talking about. So just to kind of reiterate what what you're saying is that both you and I have have, you know, maybe a little bit different protocols on how we've reached certain things. But I think what we do have that's the same is that we have the same end goal. We have the same vision of making our practices as profitable as possible and depending on our team. All of these things, we know where we want to go. And some of the difference in steps that you might take, you know, is not super important. It's the principle. It's, 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 uh, the vision and where we want to get to that is really going to make the biggest difference. Um, okay. So next step. Uh, and again, this is, uh, in, in my office, how I've done it and how I recommend it to most clients, but I like to have a working interview. Um, I think it really gives you a chance to see how the you know potential employees are going to act in their actual job settings. Um, there have been times where I you know maybe thought someone would be a really good fit, and then after a working interview, I recognized some things that uh, would have would have been uh, pretty difficult to work through. Anyway, so what that looks like, I like to have them uh, come in for either a half day or a full day. Um, at the beginning, I'll, I'll pull them aside and I'll just talk to them and kind of let them know what I expect, how the day is going to go, you know, what they're going to be doing. 
Um, and I'm going to tell them what I'm looking for. I tell them up front. Uh, I usually tell them that I'm looking to see that they can be friendly and interactive with patients and also help with, you know, just the progression of the schedule and the day. What you say, I don't think is super important. I, I'm just not a fan of, you know, just throwing someone into the mix and then just seeing how they respond. I mean, obviously that can work with some people, but uh, I like to give them some expectations and guidelines so that everyone's on the same page. And then as the day goes on, I'll try and keep things, you know, lighthearted, but, you know, also provide some direction as, uh, as we go, go on. And then here's what I recommend you do. Halfway through your time together, pull them aside and just talk, you know, even if it's just for two minutes, just talk about how things are going and see if they have any questions. Um, and then try and offer some feedback and direction for something that you'd like them to change for the rest of the day. Again, the directions and what you say aren't so important. Um, the reason why I want to do this is because I want to see how they're going to react to uh, feedback and to some critique. Are they the type of person that is just going to feel bad and uh, mope and they're not going to change? Or are they the type that, uh, you know, is going to dig their heels in and fight me and resist? Or do they take the advice and run with it? So much of building a lifestyle practice is training your team constantly giving feedback to uh, team members. And believe me, you don't want to have someone that uh, you have to consistently be training and asking for improvement from over and over again. As we talked about in the beginning, we're building a team of tens and that six is going to drag everyone down. So let's use this process to weed them out so that uh, we don't have to go through that. Um, And then Step number five is uh, basically at this point, you should you should know whether or not that person is going to be a good fit. So um, essentially, at the end of the working interview, I will either offer them a job on the spot or I will tell them that I will let them know in the next couple of days as we continue interviewing other applicants. Um, my only advice here is that, uh, you know, if you extend a job offer is that you again kind of reiterate expectations, let them know what you expect out of them if you hire them. Um, and then, uh, even those first few weeks after you've hired them make an effort to communicate daily with them. Um, I think, I think you almost want to micromanage a little bit in the beginning. This is, uh, in, in the way that I see it is this is just another way of front loading the process. We're spending more time with them in the beginning. And then as time goes on, we'll have to monitor less and less. Um, you know, we could probably do a whole nother episode on training new employees, but, uh, uh, that'll be for another day. Yeah. A couple of things I would add here. Number one, of course you don't want to overpay, but a 10 is worth a few more dollars per hour. If you have to, I'd rather pay a 10, $20 an hour opposed to a seven, $18 an hour. Same with hygienists go for the best person you can find. If you have to pay up a few more dollars, then so be it. If your hygienist helps you sell one more filling, they've likely paid for their extra two or three dollars more for a week they help you sell a cr- one more crown they paid for themselves that extra couple bucks for a month if not more um so if you find someone good grab them don't sit around waiting because if you do chances are they'll be gone don't let yourself when you find someone good don't let yourself give the employee who's a five always been a five and will always be a five ten more chances because if you do, it's only hurting yourself. It's not hurting anyone else. 
maybe it's hurting the rest of your team because it's not fair to the right players to keep the wrong ones around. Yeah, so true. Great insight. Um, so today we want to just kind of recap uh, to remember the steps of the hiring process. Uh, so first, we're casting as wide a net of possible, then uh, weeding through the resumes, uh, invite them for a quick meet and greet, and then a working interview, and then finally the, uh, the, uh, the job offer. And don't get paralyzed by the details. You know, they're, like we said a few times already, there are more than one way to skin a cat. But do definitely keep the principles in mind. Cast a big net. And we know that's relative. Keep your team involved if you can. Some circumstances may not allow you to do that. For instance, if you're letting someone go that doesn't know they're going yet. And that's okay. It happens a lot. And you just deal with it. So don't freak out. Maybe you can't have someone in for a working interview. Okay. Then you figure that out. Um, But do... Find the best person you can and don't beat around the bush of what you expect from them. Um, Because if you do, you'll likely be in the same boat down the road uh, if you're having to let someone go. And once you find the right person, grab them. Don't let them get away. Don't, you know, say I need to think about it for a month and a half. Get them if they're the right person, you know, they're the right person. Yeah, I think. We don't want to underplay how important this is because as we talked about, your staff is so critical. I mean, like you just shared, having an excellent hygienist in place that can really help with case acceptance is going to pay, you know, dividends over and over again. So when I said that, you know, your team can literally uh, be the difference of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in your pocket at the end of each year, uh, you know, I'm, I'm being serious with, with those numbers. So take, take these opportunities of, of hiring seriously. You can bring on some all-star employees that will really help you accelerate your practice growth. So put in the time and work necessary to get you to that point. Don't be the practice owner that complains about your staff and has, you know, uh, lots of turnover. Take ownership and either train your team to perform or get the right person in place so that you can, so that you can do that. Yep. Um, all right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, if you did, we'd really appreciate a review on iTunes. Wanted to give a quick shout out to Dr. Dave P that, uh, left us a kind review earlier this month. He said, uh, about our, our, our podcast that it is changing the way I think. He said the information these guys provide is extremely useful and has changed the way I think about future ownership. I'm motivated more every time I listen to them to improve my patient experience and take control of my future and lifestyle. So thanks, Dave. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode, leave us a quick review. It just takes a couple minutes. Thank you and have a great week. Peace. Listen to be great.